we all know that in a few weeks' time we will have the Nintendo Switch. And we're not talking about the, the Switch specifically today, but the Switch is a tablet, right? Kind of fundamentally, that's what it is. But it isn't the only tablet in town. There's one that's been around for a lot longer, and that's the iPad. And if you listen to to any of the, the tech shows that, that I do or that Federico does, then you'll know that the iPad is a very important thing to the both of us. It's the device that we love the most. It's the device that we choose to get most of our work done as well as our entertainment. And obviously, as you can imagine from listening to the show, part of our entertainment is games, video games. So what is gaming like on the iPad in 2017? And I wanted to kind of defer to you on this, Federico, because I think of the three of us, you're maybe the person who has um, the eye closest on the App Store and new releases and stuff like that. So I was kind of wondering, like, what are there a lot of games coming out that interest you on the iPad? Well, I'm totally not prepared. I thought this was the BlackBerry Playbook episode. <laughs> um, so... What QNX apps are... Uh... <laughs> hold, hold on, let me let me switch documents. We're gonna do the the playbook another time. So it, that's a very complex question, Mike, um, because it feels like there's been two. At least to me, it feels like there's been two ages of gaming on the iPad. Uh, there was the initial excitement from 2010 up to 2013, I would say, when kind of the iPad sales start go, started going down, uh, and there's the modern age of gaming on the iPad. And I've been, I keep an eye on the App Store every week, right? Uh, we, we talk about apps on Mac Stories, on the newsletter. We highlight new releases. And there's the trend, especially in the past year, uh, has been that you basically don't see a lot of high-profile iPad-only games anymore. Most of the games are universal. They do the bare minimum job to adapt from the iPhone to the bigger screen of the iPad. They often don't even... Uh, ship with the uh, Retina graphics for the 12.9-inch iPad Pro, for example. If you think about it, uh, even Ocean Horn, I'm pretty sure, you know, it's a very popular adventure games, uh, adventure game for iOS and Android, I think. Um, well, it was updated for the iPhone 7, and but it's, I'm pretty sure it still doesn't have full Retina HD graphics on the big iPad Pro. So there's definitely been a lot of pressure on developers to um, to support the iPad in a more dedicated way, and uh, and because of cost reasons, because of the App Store structure, because of a whole bunch of reasons we're going to talk about, they just don't do it. And but to still reach those people who use an iPad like us or like millions of other people, they simply take an iPhone game, they effectively they upscale it with you know they don't even fully take advantage of the the iPad screen when you think about it. And they call it a day and they make a universal app and they release it on the App Store. So I was taking a look at the App Store uh, today and I saw that um, on the iPad, of course, and the featured games were uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. Of course, the new Nintendo game came out on the iPhone. It's also on the iPad. Clash Royale in a section about uh, the best games we love. It's a, it's one of those curated uh, banners at the top. And there were some other indie games in the in another section, like Reigns, for example, or Threes, which is not exactly an iPad-only game, and also not even a recent game. What makes Threes a great iPad game, though, is it's one of the only games that I know of that you can play on split-screen. True, true. That's that's a, that's a very nice uh, differentiation from other from other mm-hmm. iPad games, and it makes sense, right? Because you're you're thinking about something, you're just putting in a multitasking mode, and you you know, as you're I don't know watching a video, you also play three. So it's kind of cool. Um, but I was taking a look in the in the new games we love section. So this is the the section that is updated now almost every day, but especially on Thursdays with new releases. And there's just isn't a lot of stuff that is iPad only. There's no big profile iPad only game. And even when companies like Square Enix, for example, they release a new title, such as the Go franchise, which has been very, uh, very fortunate on the App Store, it's it's uh, it has found very a very high degree of success. It's not an iPad only game. It's iPhone and iPad, which makes sense, right? Because you you want to reach a wider audience, and it makes sense to be both on the iPhone and the iPad. But I remember how I used to be, or maybe it's just that I that I remember what I want to remember, so we can we can talk about it, 
But in 2010 and in 2011, it felt like developers wanted to approach the iPad as a dedicated gaming platform. There were games like uh, Chaos Rings, for example, by Square Enix, uh, one of the first uh, RPG only for the iPad. Uh, and there were like the Infinity Blade games that eventually, um, you know, th th maybe the, you, you could argue that they became, with version 2 and version 3, um, a demo of the iPhone's graphics. But uh, in the beginning, they were most impressive, most impressive on the iPad. And it just feels like that kind of excite excitement and dedication has been lost. And, and it's sort of understandably so, because Apple itself have, has been putting a lot of pressure on developers. Um, they've been obviously pushing for making universal apps because they want users to be able to just download and buy or you know, uh, just get one, uh, one game once and have, them, uh, and have the game on all of their devices. So they're pushing these universal apps uh, that run on the iPhone, run on the iPad, and now even on tvOS, which can, you know, a tvOS game for the Apple TV can be bundled into, into an iOS download. Why do you think Apple make that push for universal? Well, because you could say, you could say well, Apple would make more money if it were three separate games and you buy them, you know, individually. So Apple takes a bigger cut every time. But I feel like that's one of the that's one of the problems with Apple and the iPad today, because on the one hand they maybe want to make more money, but on the other hand they're not sure the they want to justify the having a separate game on the iPad because this game situation the way I see it is basically a mirror of what the where the iPad is today. It's mostly an adaptation of the iPhone. The OS itself, mm -hmm. iOS on the iPad, we've talked about this, is basically the iPhone upscaled. Yeah. And I see the same problem happening with games. It's mostly iPhone games brought to the iPad because there's been, there was a chance years ago to make iPad games truly stand on their own and to make iPad games. But it feels like that opportunity has, has passed. It's not coming back. And now we're stuck with iPhone games that also run on the iPad, but often don't even take advantage of it. I remember the trend of HD. Yeah. You know, like yeah, flight exactly. control HD. And exactly. it was, you know, effectively the same game in some instances or made different in some ways. But it was at that time, you know, you targeted and sold separately for the iPad. I, I, I will say that as a consumer, um, I prefer Universal, like if a sure. game is Universal. But, but in the same vein, and maybe, you know, this is my... Um, greedy consumer want it all type of mentality that i guess we all have to a point i still want to pay once but i also want it to be enhanced for the ipad in some way right like i want it to be different in some way or thought about in some way or like you say like like a, a game like crash lands which is a game that we me and you spent a lot of time with they they took advantage of the ipad by increasing the resolution so they didn't just they didn't just stretch it. They increased sure. the resolution so you could see more of the world around you. Shahid, yep. as a developer, what is your opinion on the trend of Universal? It's very difficult for developers to sustain themselves with a Universal model in a world where devices that fit within an ecosystem are diverging more and more. I remember when the iPad 1 came out, it was 1024 by 768. And at the time, the dominant resolution on iPhone was 320 by 240 for games. So you can imagine with the increase in resolution, just how hard it was to push pixels around on the very first iPad. As the performance improved over the years, of course, that became easier to do, but developers had to resort to all kinds of tricks in order to make that work. Now, while it's true that the underlying APIs are, to all intents and purposes, identical with very few variations, and then when Apple started to introduce their size classes and so on, that helped with apps, but not necessarily games, because games usually went straight to the metal at a time when there was no metal API, confusingly. Uh, they used OpenGL or they used other um, SDKs like the Cocos SDK. Do you remember that? Uh, that's still around. That was a pretty high performance um, SDK used a lot by 
the uh, the developers in the Far East. But it's always been a challenge. It was particularly a challenge when people started to ask for it when I was at PlayStation uh, for for games to be cross-play and cross-compatible across all the different PlayStations. And, of course, the challenge there was the devices were remarkably different. So it wasn't a case of just doing a port. The game had to be essentially rebuilt, re-engineered, redesigned to fit within the constraints of really divergent systems. And although it doesn't appear to be the case with the iOS ecosystem, it is the case because not only are the resolutions and the processors vastly different, but the use cases are vastly different as well. And developers have to cater for that. So with an iPhone, the use case is going to be very close to your face, held typically with one hand, and therefore everything appears to be slightly bigger than you would expect. So you're getting quite a lot of bang for the buck. Whereas with something like an Apple TV, you've got a device that's actually lower resolution in some cases than your iPhone and way away, <laughs> you know, and way away from your your face. And you're holding this, I'm sorry, this abominable controller that wasn't designed for games at all. In fact, you could argue that it wasn't designed for watching TV or anything um, <laughs> for, for that matter. But the, the problem there is not that the controller is so bad, but that developers have to find a way of coping with it, which means a redesign. And then when you come to iPad, you've got a device. Well, well, how do you use it? How do you game with it? Do you have it sitting in your lap? Do you hold it up with two hands? And then what do you do with everything apart from your two thumbs in the bottom uh, right and bottom left corners, you know, because you've got nothing left if you hold it like that. Do you hold it portrait? Do you hold it like a book, which means, do you see what I mean? Because it, yeah, yeah, the yeah. way you hold the device completely changes the way the user is going to um, input into your game. And that's a massive challenge. That's a design challenge. L lots of uh, discussion around development focuses very much on graphics, graphics hardware, pixel count, shaders, and and all of that um, very nice, visually stunning eye candy and, and so on. But actually, for developers, one of the biggest challenges is how do you get the user to put information into the game? And wh where are they when they're doing it? Are they sitting on the sofa? Are they on a, uh, a bus? You know, are they walking around even? Are they pulling the phone out, putting it back in their pocket? Are they playing for an extended session? Are they stopping and starting? One of the desirable things about a console for many developers is that they know the use case is going to be people sitting down for reasonably long periods of time in front of their TV with yeah. exactly the same yeah. controller yeah, every yeah. time. Yeah, you, you can build the game on an, uh, 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 an assumption. On, like, on user behavior, exactly, yeah. exactly. Which is which is a powerful thing, as opposed to like, where are they? Yeah, where are they playing? What type of connection do they have? Like, there are so many things that you have to consider, right? Which are very, very different. Yeah, the environment changes yeah. for every device. But but here's the thing: because the devices are portable, you know, the iPad is portable as well, just because you can't necessarily hold it with one hand, unless you're talking about the Mini, right? Which you can hold with one hand. So there again, just in the iPad family, you've got completely different use Three cases. Three massively different devices mm. in size, right? Yeah, because controls that are built for the iPad Mini and even the regular-sized iPad might not necessarily work for the biggest iPad because you might not be able to reach it all. Exactly. That's a, it's a mess. It's a mess. Um, I want to. I actually want to come back to. We'll come back to this primary. Like our games exclusively coming out for the iPad thing in a moment. But there was one more thing I wanted to ask about Universal, which is you know you mentioned about the the Apple TV, right? There aren't many Universal games, and it's not surprising, right? Because how many touchscreen games will really work with that controller? Yep. Like it's a different game you're making at that point. The the games that work are the one button games. Yeah. Like Badlands. Yeah, I play Cannibalt on <laughs> on my Apple TV. Well, it's perfectly. I play yeah. uh, uh, Alto's Adventure on uh, yeah. Apple TV. Uh, I play Chillaxian on the Apple TV. These are things that have exceptionally simple controls. So we're talking about lowest common denominator. And then you have to ask yourself, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. Apple made a crucial mistake in uh, launching TVOS 
without the API to require a game controller. So they launched tvOS and they went to developers and they said, look, if you want to make a game for the Apple TV, you can support game controllers. They just cannot be enforced. So you got to support the Apple TV remote because at the time they thought, oh, we are so proud of the remote that we make for the Apple TV. You sh- gamers should be able to play your games uh, without a game controller. And of course, after much criticism at WWDC last year, they said, well, uh, now you can require a game controller. Because they realized a game doesn't necessarily... Two factors. A game doesn't necessarily scale from iOS to tvOS. And also, a game generally sucks when played with the TV remote. So you can require a game controller now. But it's one of those things, right? The perception can be lost in between launch and a year later or two years later. So you can fix things, but just uh, things like APIs are easier, much, much easier to fix than public perception and especially developer perception. Totally. And I I wonder if you can now see why uh, all those months back, I was so incredibly excited about Nintendo launching um, a a device with two controllers out of the box, Mm -hmm. because that's the assumption you can make day day one, you know, Uh, you you can support this. If, If your game requires two-player local um, multiplayer, it will work with every single Nintendo Switch out there. Whereas with, you know, if you were to do a game that re- on, on iOS that required a controller, you have no idea what the size of your market is. Yeah. yeah. Or if you wanted to make an, uh, uh, an iOS game that needed two iOS devices to play. Oh yeah, good luck with that. Especially right. explaining people how to connect those devices. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it's like the likelihood that somebody wouldn't be able to play a two-player game on the Switch is very low because it would mean that you only brought half of your controller with you. Right? Like <laughs> it, it, yeah. the, I think the likelihood <laughs> is very unlikely. Cuz you know, if, uh-huh. even like other consoles, right? Like if you want to buy a second controller, it's they're expensive. Like additional controllers for the Switch are expensive as well, but if you make a game that only needs that 50% of the the these the Joy-Con, like just the one Joy-Con, which many games can get away with because of the secret buttons they packed into that thing, that is powerful. Like that is mm-hmm. a a powerful thing. Let's get back off the Switch, back onto the iPad. But first, let me thank our friends Squarespace for supporting this week's show. Use the offer code INSERTCOIN at checkout and you'll get 10% on your first purchase. You'll get that right off a beautiful discount. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create that website you have for your next idea, your next project, your next plan. No matter what it is, Squarespace can help you with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you're looking to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog, a site for your web, a site for your uh, restaurant, a site for your band. It doesn't matter what it is. Squarespace have all the tools that you need. It is an all-in-one platform that lets you take care of any of it. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of it. Squarespace, I've got you covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. They let you easily and quickly register and grab a unique domain name to assign to your site and all of their beautiful templates are award-winning and they are responsive as well. So your site is going to look great on an iPad as well as it will on a phone or on a Mac or PC. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. You can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code insert coin. It's all one word at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase and also show your support for Remaster. Thank you to Squarespace for supporting Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So I set you the uh, the challenge, Federico. Mm-hmm. of trying to pick out for the show some examples of some games that are primarily or exclusively for iPad. I'm, I, I really struggle <laughs> with this. Uh, I began from one of the usual places that I always go to, uh, the Kotaku list of the best games for any particular console. And of course, there's uh, the 12 best games for the iPad. And I generally trust these Kotaku articles. There's one for the PlayStation 4, one for the Xbox, uh, and the Nintendo consoles, of course. They tend to be accurate, and they tend to provide a good mix of uh, different gaming genres and and, and different games for different people. 
And you can also view a timeline of updates at the bottom of these stories. I, I really like them. But the iPad one, I was looking through and basically the, the vast majority, if not every single game, is a port from either PlayStation or yeah. Steam. Yeah. Or if it's not a port, if it's an iOS-only game, it's an iOS game. So it's yeah, a it's universal, universal app. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is no to my to my recollection here to my knowledge there's no single iPad only get or iPad first game. It's either a port or an I an iPhone what game. What about that, Sword and Sorcery, which is on there? Was that iPad uh, only or that first? That was iPad first. You could say that Sword and Sorcery could be the only one. I think it might be the only one on that list. But then again, we go back to to my first one of my first points. Uh, the Golden Age in 2010, 2011. Yeah. That's when Certain Sorcery came out and when there was a lot of enthusiasm from developers and users around the iPad as a standalone platform, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that that game is in this list. Yeah, they only went universal in October. Yeah. So I was also looking at the Game of the Year awards from Apple. Uh, they, they release in December every year. And of course, the game of the year for the iPad is Severed. And Severed came out on PlayStation first, um, I think. I think it was on PlayStation and PS Vita, right? That's right. Okay, so PlayStation first, uh, now game of the year on the iPad. And then I went to another place, Mike, for you. Um, I went to check out the, uh, the, the Apple press release on the December record set by the App Store. Uh, when you know the press release when they said we made a lot of money basically, and Super Mario Run was among the last year's top ten most downloaded apps, so of course another universal game, and then Pokemon Go was the top spot of the charts, so an iPhone game, and all of the other stuff. Um, we we have some other usual suspects like Reigns, for example, Luminous City, which I think it's universal, and I don't see any other iPad games. Uh, so I I think I was looking at a bunch of lists and a bunch of roundups and Apple press releases, and I see I keep going back to the same conclusion, which is the App Store is quite possibly the biggest gaming ecosystem in the world right now, from the company that cares the least about the gaming culture and the gaming community, uh, because I feel like providing an infrastructure for developers. Uh, and providing marketing with the curation on the on the App Store's front page doesn't necessarily mean that you care. It means that you keep the business going. It means that you get a good cut from developers who, you know, freemium titles, for example, which, uh, you know, make up for the mass majority of App Store revenue. Uh, but it doesn't mean that you care about making iPad games or even iOS games, if we count the iPhone in this, the premier spot for people to play video games and let's just face the simple truth there's a lot of indie games on the on on ios right but those indie games um are rarely iphone uh, ios only or ipad only and there's no just no triple a titles coming out on ios a few years ago there was the dream of you know with these powerful graphics eventually we'll be able to play i don't know the latest final fantasy on our ipads but they're just the App Store doesn't provide the conditions to make this happen. It's been a while. Now we have super powerful GPUs and CPUs, and the dream of the AAA title launching simultaneously on PlayStation, Xbox, and iPad is just ridiculous at this point. No one believes it anymore. Uh, you don't see, you know, the Last Guardian launching on iPad, and I'm not talking about the Last Guardian specifically. It was more of an example. You don't see Final Fantasy launching. You don't see the latest Call of Duty. You see the iOS version, and it tends not to be an iPad-only version, it tends to be a watered-down iPhone and iPad version that is no AAA title. And why is that? Is it economy? The, eco- the economic conditions just don't allow it. And that's all on Apple. Um, because they didn't create the culture, so that's my original point. They didn't, cre- they didn't create the culture that can sustain that kind of um, content on the App Store. It could have been possible, you know? We have... A hundred and you know iPads with hundreds of storage. Uh, we have people with credit cards on the App Store. Mm-hmm. We have people with disposable income that would say, you know, I want to play the latest Call of Duty on yeah. the iPad. Yeah, 
And if it doesn't happen, it's not because of some mystical reason. It's just on Apple. And it's kind of sad, really. Because I assume that there are not vast differences in processing power between the iPad and the Switch. And right. fr- from how it looks like with some of the news that's been coming out recently, that there are AAA games coming to the Switch, like FIFA. Yes. Exactly. And on the App Store, you get the mobile version, usually. Um, and, and, you know, when when you have a company like Nintendo that does the, the due diligence of going to developers and saying, look, we're launching, we know we, know we made mistakes in the past, but we're launching a new console and we're asking you to believe in us and to bring your games to us. Uh, of course, I'm not talking about, you know, Sony, which seems to be the king of approaching people. And I mean, that's that used to be, you know, so, the job of someone here. Uh, but let's talk about Nintendo, right? It's a company that made a lot of mistakes and now they're sort of trying to own it up and go back to developers and say, look, bring your games to our new thing. And I don't... When you compare, like you said, the iPad and the iPad and the Switch, it's very possible that the the current iPad Pros, so not even the next one, the current one, is even more powerful than the than the than the Switch. But let's say that they're equally powerful, and it seems to be the case. Um, why is that that Apple doesn't go to developers and say, "Look, I want the FIFA 18 to be on the iPad," or uh, you know, I want the real thing. I don't want the mobile version. Or go to Square Enix and say, I don't want your, you know, your latest uh, mini game about Final Fantasy, like Final Fantasy Mobius, for example. I want Final Fantasy 15. I don't care if it's uh, split up in installments because we can allow 50 gigs downloads on on the apps on the App Store. Just bring me the real thing. And why is that? Because they know that the App Store at this point, you know, eight years after after the launch of the App Store, there's just no cultural or economic conditions to allow that. It would be a flop. And, I mean, look at Nintendo. They launched a $10 game uh, with a free download. You can try four levels and they pay up. And they got so many negative reviews from people and they missed their expectations. So you can imagine what's going to happen if, you know, there's a $50 or $70 download on the App Store. It just, uh, you cannot even imagine that because it it that wouldn't make any sense because you're used to think of the App Store as the mobile version of a console game or an indie game that came out on PlayStation and came out on Steam first and now it's launching on the App Store. Now, this may be too negative, but there's also the upside. There's a lot of original iOS-only games on the App Store made by indie developers. They tend to be they tend to be adventure games or puzzle games and those are fantastic titles. We review them every week on Mac Stories. And I don't want to. I don't want people to, you know, uh, come away uh, from this episode thinking, "Well, Federico doesn't really like games on the App Store and thinks that every single game sucks." That's not the case. The uh, the case with me. I just think that we're seeing a lot of iOS only games. They tend to be in the same categories. You know, platformers like Stagehand, for example. I love it. Uh, puzzle games, little adventure games. Uh, by little, I mean very self-contained titles. But we're not. See- we're talking about the you know the 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 AAA titles or the iPad only titles. That's just not happening anymore, and I don't see things changing unless Apple makes some kind of big commitment, you know, to improving the App Store. But considering where they make the money, so if you want to understand things, follow the money, right? They, you, you, it tends to be a pretty accurate rule with any kind of business. Uh, w- once you have a company that uh, an ecosystem, right? Like the App Store, where the 94% of the revenue comes from the top 1% of the publishers. And those publishers uh, make games like Pokemon Go or uh, Clash Royale or Clash of Clans. Why would you have an incentive to promote other types of games? I don't think they do. So no. I'm, Am I making a coherent case here? I think so. I mean, I do. It, it's it's a shame because there are still, as you say, there are still great, like just fantastic iOS games that come sure. out. Sure. And you mentioned Stagehand, and I am in love with that game. Um, it is absolutely fantastic. If you've not tried it, you should. It's it's just brilliant. So, like, there is still stuff going on in the iOS world. A lot of it is freemium, but not completely. But a lot of it is there. But there are still indie games popping up. But when we're looking at purely the iPad, just the iPad as a platform, it's not happening. 
Um, and, and again, as you said, Federico, this mirrors a lot of the conversation we've had around the iPad recently. Like, like the numbers are there. Like the unit sale numbers are good. They're very strong. Yeah. You know, like um, I saw a statistic that um, Nintendo, their expectations have been exceeded. It looks like they're going to sell 2 million Switches in March. Mm-hmm. Now, Apple laughs at those numbers even on the iPad, right? Like this is a launch and they're going to sell 2 million. But Apple sell just on a on a regular quarter, 10, 13, right? And, and when nothing's happening, you know, like Apple just posted their, their quarterly earnings on a, a time when no iPads have been released for six months and they sold 13 million of them over the holidays. Like, I can't imagine. I mean, I think Nintendo's the Switch is going to do well for them, but they're not going to be doing 13 million unit quarters in a year on that thing. They're just not. I think one thing one thing we need to remind ourselves of, we are obviously very aware of this. In fact, Federico, Mike, you are both more gamers than I am. So I, I have to ask you, why do you buy consoles? What's What's your primary use case for consoles? The games. Right. The games, so, yeah. Okay, so why do you buy iPads? We're talking about iPads today, so let's forget yeah. the rest. Why do you buy iPads? To because work. it's a computer. Yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. right. And that's the thing, yeah? That's, the thing. that's why Apple don't care. Because their customers are not primarily interested in games. They're interested in the other stuff. Right. What I don't. This is the thing that I don't understand. Okay, because here's the other thing: iPads are a lot more expensive than consoles. Okay, you know, mini notwithstanding, but let's let's consider the the new iPads, the iPad Pros, because they have the graphics to compete with lower level console devices. You know, th- these are not cheap devices, and they're designed primarily for getting stuff done and for enjoying yourself, but in a much more shall we say, traditional way, like watching Netflix or or whatever. But there's another existing use case for expensive devices that on, on which games do very well, and that's a PC. You know, PCs are not cheap. Mm, that's a great point. Yeah. You know, people buy PCs, and there is a large contingent of people who buy PCs purely to game on and yet their primary purpose as a device is not for gaming so you Mm. have to wonder if apple have any interest in games advancing their platform why don't they produce an ipad that's dedicated for games that is such a good point (laughs) in the same way that dell have their alienware range razor have um their blade and blade pro range on the pc why not produce something that's just unashamedly for gamers? Now, I don't think it'd be a loss leader. It probably wouldn't sell as well as the other iPads, but it would be a real attention grabber and it would help to focus the video game development community on that device, especially if they made the use of controls mandatory. They provided the best controls ever devised, you know, because they could really go to town devising controls that nobody else has come up with. If they could come up with controls that feel in good as good in your hand as the AirPods do in your ears, as as an overall customer proposition, you know, as an experience, then they'd they'd be onto something, I think. Especially if they bring out the device with, say, I don't know, a kickstand, maybe. Okay, we're all out of kickstands now. Kickstand <laughs> is the number one thing. That's the one. That's where it's well, at. Well, I tell you what, again. I wasn't intending to talk about the Switch as much as I have today, but it's literally all I can think about. We'll see, right, if such a device works, because that's what this is. Like, if you imagined an iPad for gaming, like an iPad built for video gaming, this is probably the device you'd end up with. Like, a big screen, which is powerful, which you can put a con- you can fix a controller onto, or has a dedicated controller. Like, I think if we were drawing out what would be our perfect video gaming iPad, it would be that. Like, for me, I still want a phys- good physical controller if I when I'm playing games. 
because there are some games that only work for me that way. Like there, there is a whole contingent of, of games on the iPad uh, on iOS that are popular, like platforming games, like traditional platforming games that have the the virtual D pad and stuff. And I just don't enjoy playing those on the screens. I like to play those sort of games with controllers. So the the Switch kind of is that machine. So we'll we'll see if it fares well, right? I don't know. I think it's more. Um... Uh, the equivalent of an iPhone 7 Plus uh, or a Galaxy Note, if we're being a bit more comparable in terms of screen size. I would like to see a gaming device the size of the 13-inch, well, 12.9-inch iPad Pro, you know, and with with a Pro-level controller. I'm talking about something that's unashamedly for gaming. And, And you know what? Maybe it has a lower battery life. Maybe it has twice the battery size. It's heavier. But Think about it. It could be as powerful as the best laptop gaming PCs, but still be half the weight and still last as long and be an overall much, much better experience. They could do that, but they probably won't. All right, let's take a second break and thank Mac Weldon for supporting this week's show. Mac Weldon make the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever adorn your body with. They believe in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Their clothes looks good, and it feels good. That's what I like about Mac Weldon stuff, is I get the comfort and that I like, and also don't, but I don't look like I'm wearing just comfortable clothing, right? Like I talk about Mac Weldon sweatpants forever because I love them. They're super comfortable. They're really nice to travel in. They're really nice to kind of work out in and stuff like that, but they just look good, you know, they look premium, which I really like. And it, they have premium-looking stuff at prices that just aren't. Their shopping experience is really easy. Their website's super easy to use. And the more you buy with them, the more you save, which I think is just a, a really nice touch. They have a bunch of cool science stuff, like silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, so they eliminate odor. And if you buy something from Mac Weldon and don't like it, you keep it and they'll refund you. No questions asked. Not only do Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well as well. They look good for working out, going to work, going on dates, or just for everyday life. Listeners of this show can get 20% off at MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com with the code REMASTER. Thank you so much to Mac Weldon for their support of this show and Relay FM. But it ain't all bad, right? This isn't. This isn't like. I mean, I think we have laid out the things that would make all of this a lot better for us on the iPad. You know, their economy is all screwed up. Some of the tools maybe are there, maybe are not there. We're going to get, I think, into the tools a little bit more in a moment uh, from Shaheen's developer brain. But you know, there, there are a lot of things that aren't great, and unfortunately, there isn't the vibrant market that we would want. But there are still a lot of games available for the iPad. They're just not dedicated. So I thought we could maybe pick out a couple more of games, um, maybe between me and you, Federico, that we have enjoyed that have been iPad sure. experiences. So one for me is Goat Simulator. I played a bunch of Goat Simulator. You love that game. <laughs> I love it because it's so stupid. And I'd never played it before because it typically only been on PC at, up until that point. And it came out on, on iOS. And I had the Nimbus controller. And it was a really great pairing. And and it was just it's just a fun, silly game. And there's like a million different versions of it. Um, and pair, I mean, you can play it on the screen. And I have. But I really like playing that game with the controller. And it works perfectly on the iPad and, and is, is a nice experience to, to play there. Yeah, and I and I and I feel the same about um, Ocean Horn. And, yeah, you played uh, so much of that. Yeah, I I love the game. I love the look. It's uh, I know that it's a I don't want to say a copy, but very much inspired by Zelda, and that's okay because I you know uh, I needed that kind of game on the iPad, and it plays beautifully on the iPad Pro, even if it doesn't have real HD graphics. Uh, it plays beautifully with the Nimbus controller, and I also uh, I also sank a lot of hours into Crashlands on the iPad. Uh, I can play Crashlands on the iPhone 2 and they have this web service to sync stuff, but it's just much better on the iPad Pro because you can see a lot of the field and it's it just fun, you know. It's a, uh, it's a case of a, of a Steam game, I think, that came out on iOS, uh, but developers were clever enough to sync everything back to the cloud. They have their own um, syncing stuff and it's a web service to sync items and, and progress. And it's fun on the iPad. It's a, it's a lot of fun. I You know, with the controller, you can just prop it up and go. Um, and there, there are many other games that I 
that I play on my iPhone, but that uh, sometimes on the iPad they're just maybe easier or uh, like for example, for example, Stagehand. I think it's much easier on the iPad because you can grab stuff more easily. Or Super Mario Run. I think making everything bigger makes the game more comfortable. Uh, but I would say the games that I enjoy the most are stuff like Ocean Horn or Crashlands. And there's also some irony to the fact that one of my top picks from last year, uh, so Playcast. I talked about this app to stream PlayStation games to the to the to the iPad. So this app was pulled from the App Store. I I don't know what is going on, but it sort of it's sort of ironic that one of my favorite games on the iPad was a way to stream PlayStation games. Yeah, and uh, I really wish I could have got that game, but I didn't get it in time. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> well, that, Sony that or app. Apple found it. I, I think it was Sony. Probably yeah. it feels more like it. I, mean, I understand, but it feels like that's more of like a Sony thing than a than an Apple thing. What a missed opportunity, right? Uh, I mean, I would totally pay PlayStation an extra to have uh, an online service to stream games from a PlayStation 4 or from PlayStation Now, even, mm-hmm. and to make the DualShock compatible uh, with, with the iPad uh, and to play games on the go on my iPad. I would totally pay you know, money every month, uh, like I pay for Netflix, to have that sort of service. Because it's just, you know... Um, that was the dream of the PlayStation Vita to an extent, um, and I feel like you know when I when I was able to play No Man's Sky or Final Fantasy Fifteen on my iPad Pro, man, that was that was awesome. So, what, what have you got any more thoughts on this, Federico? Before we we ask Shahin uh, some questions, I mean, I I just I feel like I've grown to accept the reality of this uh, that years ago. If you if we had this conversation in 2011, I would have told you someday uh, the next Final Fantasy will be on the iPad too, and I just feel like that dream has not only been shattered, but to talk about it again, you would be a fool today, um, because I I see the app store flourishing, right? Uh, Apple is gonna be successful. It's gonna make a lot of money. There's always gonna be great games on the app store, but I feel like it's not going to replace consoles, and especially the iPad is not going to replace my PlayStation or maybe my Xbox One if I ever if I ever get an Xbox. It's not going to replace PCs, and that's too bad because there are there are some fantastic iOS games. And again, this is not a. I don't want to say that there are no good games on the App Store. That's far from the truth. But I I I would have loved to see the iPad to grow into a dedicated dedicated gaming console like a PlayStation is or like a like a PC with Steam can be and instead games on the App Store just feel like um like a diversion because like Shahid says Apple sells the iPad to get work done or or to be creative and they see games as those couple of hours you spend every once in a while maybe a couple of times a week to relax but not as something that you buy an iPad for. And to me, that's a little sad. Yeah, like the iPad is built and advanced as a game platform, right? That like it is a device that you can play games on, but not a device that is made for games. Yeah. Right? Like they yeah. make advancements to make iOS and the iPad better for games, but it's not built for games, right? Like games are an add-on feature of it all rather than the, the the device being built around that idea yeah so shahid what about some of the developer tools things like um metal and stuff like that like do these things excite you do they make the ipad a or ios in general but hopefully more specifically the ipad a place that you would ever consider making a a serious game for oh definitely i love the ios uh, ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I love the SDKs. I love the tools. I love the enormous world of support that has sprung up in the iOS ecosystem so that whatever you want to do, whatever problem you have, there is something available that will help you to solve that problem for iOS. The tools that are provided for free by Apple are exemplary. 
that Developer Portal is the best I've ever used. I know that there will be a lot of app developers out there who will be frowning at that and uh, wondering if I've completely lost my mind. But hey, folks, I come from the console world. And you know what? <laughs> console um, systems and backends and portals truly suck. In fact, the only company... Uh, I'm going to get shot for this. The only company that's making a pretty good stab of it at the moment is Microsoft. But then you would expect them to because that's their background. But really, if you want to interface with um, Apple's tools and documentation and their forums and support and so on, then really the developer portal that Apple have created is a class leader. The fact that they have more developers for their ecosystem than works on just about anything else in the world, with the exception of perhaps the open source community. But who's to say? That speaks volumes. You know, they made their entire ecosystem accessible very, very soon after the launch of the iPhone, and it was available on the launch of the iPad. So I love iOS so much. I looked into it because I used to work in developer relations at PlayStation many, many years ago. Uh, we're talking about 2005 through till about 2009, 2010, that sort of time period. Uh, 2009. So the iPad's announcement coincided with me nearing the end of my time and my tether in developer relations. So I was eyeing up the developer tools with great curiosity. And I actually started to make a game exclusively for the iPad while I was at Sony without telling anyone. This is the first time I've ever, ever admitted this publicly, by the way. And and I started to show it to some of my developer friends and they, they were really impressed. They said, you should put this out, man. It's better than what we're doing. Uh, two or three people said this, which quite surprised me. I thought, oh, well, how do I put this out? So I showed it to a publisher, a top, top publisher at the time. I couldn't possibly name them now. And they signed it. And there I was thinking, oh, my God, I'm at PlayStation. I've got a game signed. This is clear conflict of interest. I could be done for this. What do I do? So what happened after then was basically the whole strategic content story. And the game got put on the back burner and never came out because I <laughs> started loving life again. But the point I'm trying to make there is that the, the ecosystem, the environment, the SDK, the tools were so good even in 2009 that a no-hoper like me who hadn't coded games in about 20 years at that point found it absolutely easy to do it in his spare time, come up with, with something decent. So you can imagine how much creativity there is out there untapped. If only they could make something of their SDKs that wasn't about aping what the standards are elsewhere. I'll give you an example. So when I first saw the API for SpriteKit, I thought, hmm, that looks familiar. And it really was. It was just like Cocos 2D. All of the structures and concepts that they used in their uh, SpriteKit um, SDK was, was basically an attempt to Sherlock Cocos 2D. And uh, it didn't work. Cocos 2D was so well established at this point. When Scene Kit came out, again, you know, it looked very familiar, very nice. This is not a criticism. They're both really great. So they copied very, very well. And then they made it very Apple specific. And then they came up with um, uh, Gameplay Kit, which is a whole bunch of technologies that are taken from the, the video games world and turned into useful, easy to use components, stuff like um, finite state machines, which... Uh, many, many developers using just about every single game imaginable. Agents, you know, AI stuff. They've got um, very familiar entities and component system, which is basically a Unity style system. It's how you address all of the objects in a video game. So really, in terms of what support they give from the SDK level, um, Apple have created a really fantastic community. But here's the problem. They've done their own version of everything to the point where... The only way you're going to get something decent onto the platform um, if you want to play nice with the Apple way is to do it in Swift, a language which is not being used for games on any other platform as far as I'm aware, certainly not mainstream games. So you have to effectively redo everything if you want to do it for iOS. And I think the strategy has been quite clear. 
that if you want to make something for iOS, it's very hard to port to other platforms. And if you're making something for another platform, then it's going to be hard to port to iOS because they want to keep their ecosystem differentiated. So although the concepts are familiar, the SDKs are not. Uh, There are not that many commonalities. The only thing that has united developers across the board in the games world, if that's what we're focusing on here, is Unity. Unity has been an absolute revelation. Unity has been superb. Unreal has been uh, pretty good as well. I I can't really speak too much about Unreal because I haven't used it as much as Unity. So it would be unfair for me to comment too much. But I'm sure that's pretty good. I remember when when Apple first showed Metal, uh, it was Epic who were showing some of their tech uh, for for Unreal running on top of Metal, showing just how much of a performance improvement they were getting. But, you know, there's Apple again doing Metal when other people are using DirectX 11 and now DirectX 12, you know, for for their shaders to take advantage of the heavily parallelized pipelines of these new graphics architectures. There's Apple on their own course doing something like Metal. So you've got something like Unity, which takes advantage of uh, DirectX 11 um, on PC and on consoles, but it's lagging way behind uh, on, on Mac because it's taking them time to integrate Metal. It just takes time to do that kind of stuff. So it's really difficult for me. I love the platform. I kind of made a game for it i didn't release it um other developers i've spoken to seem to have very similar stories they love the platform um but they're not convinced about the business environment and i think a lot of that is about apple positioning the device as primarily um the 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 pc or laptop replacement Okay, so they didn't actually have one clear position for it. They kind of had a more creative slant um, and and a more mobile slant, but it was essentially meant to be: this is the thing that you use now. You don't need to use you. You don't need to buy a laptop um, anymore unless you're a hardcore professional. Then you'd want one of our MacBooks. So some of the developers came back to me. If you don't mind, I'll um, mention a few of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Minter was the first to come back. He's had terrible experiences on iOS. He released a whole bunch of games uh, a while back. I bought every single one and played every single one and loved every single one. He really managed to get a lot out of that device. And he says hardware quite capable and fun. Ecosystem awful. Developer hostile poison. Avoid. So he's not bitter at all. <laughs> uh, then, <laughs> then, then there's Gorm Lai, who's... Um, a real legend in independent games. He uh, once invited me to uh, a developer get-together in Stoke Newington or Dalston, whichever is trendier today. Probably Dalston, I think. So we'll stick with that one. Uh, But he says, great hardware, metal is fast, dev tools are amazing compared to competition. I have to agree. You know, uh, Xcode is a fantastic piece of technology. It's beautiful. It's so integrated. Everything that you need is in one place. And you can publish stuff so quickly, it's scary. You try doing the same thing on any other console, I swear you will be seeking solace in some um, institution that provides some kind of narcotic substance very, very quickly indeed, unless you've been doing it for a very, very long time, or you employ someone who for some reason gets some kind of masochistic sense of fun out of it. Um, Gorm goes on to say, there are some minuses, but I find those are general to the whole handheld environment, i.e. making money. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's a little clue for you there. And then I got some emails as well. Uh, I will mention, here we go, Andreas Zecker. He's uh, business and development. Uh, I think he's taken that title straight from uh, Rami of Lambier. Um, it's cool. I like it. I think I'll call myself business and development too. He's from a company called Spaces of Play. And he says, in 2009, we started to work on our game Spirits. Um, basically, that was originally an iPhone game with touch controls. But when the iPad was announced, uh, they decided to focus on the iPad instead and release it there first. Um, they since ported the game to many other platforms. They love the iPad. They love the, the touch, the multi-touch. And they reckon, because they designed it for the iPad specifically, that it's the best platform to play on. That's the thing that kind of gets me. You know, if you made a game that was specifically for the iPad, you could not play this on any other device. This is, for me, a really important philosophy. People who make games that are totally attuned to the use case of a particular device will do really, really well. Um, but then they say that things started to change 
um, and become less sustainable around 2012, which kind of speaks to Federico's point, less sustainable. So they decided to focus on PlayStation and Steam instead. Um, so the next game was designed to be gamepad focused. So again, it's down to the focus on the user as opposed to the focus on the device. This is a really important distinction in the creation of video games. Always focus on the user first, device always comes second. You know, I've been working in VR lately and I get that all the time. I think, yeah, I want to do it like this, I want to do it like that. No, what if a user wants to use your game like this? You you know, you've got to really think about them. One thing that uh, Andreas has also mentioned is that and, and this this is something I've noticed and I really enjoy as well, is that the iPad's really good as an auxiliary development support device. And um, I don't know what that says about the iPad, but their art director used to use one of those Wacom tablets uh, for many years, but now uses uh, an iPad Pro with AstroPad Studio. I believe Federico once recommended AstroPad Studio, uh, but it kind of strikes me as a bit of a waste using this beautiful iPad Pro, you know, almost a thousand pounds worth of technology as a Wacom tablet replacement. Yeah, but yeah. Wacom's are super expensive, so like, you know, that you're still saving. Yeah, you are still. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It's a good point. So okay, I'll use mine as well. I won't feel too guilty about it being um, a Wacom replacement. Then this Steve stops. He's he's given me several uh, points, but um, game concepts was the first thing that he wanted to cover, and. He, he's talked about um, a number of really great games. I'm not sure these are necessarily iPad-specific, but he's mentioned uh, games like Device 6, which really couldn't exist on anything other than a touch device. Papers, Please works really well on a touch device. Again, focusing very, very much on the use case. Um, business models, the, the problem, he says, again, uh, everyone is saying is that there's almost no money to be made if you do a paid for game. Um, he thinks that the opportunity for paid content on iPad is better than that on iPhone, but only just. Um, and he's spoken, he's a pretty well connected developer, he's very experienced. Um, I've known him for several years, I have a lot of respect for him. He says, anecdotally, <laughs> this nearly made me cry. The average revenue from indie developers I've spoken to is about $7,000. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god wow. this is for, and he says this is for high quality games with good coverage for a feature title this goes up but not enough for most developers to break even so that's a real problem um he thinks there's still a huge untapped advertising revenue opportunity for ipad games particularly um but the vast majority of ads are served for other games so <laughs> the way he's put it i i quite agree with this because this annoys the heck out of me he says it feels like a pyramid selling scheme to yeah. me yeah. <laughs> you know game selling game selling games yeah because you get these networks of you know uh game ad networks and you know the only way um to get exposure is to get into their club and like yeah i i kind of get that icky feeling about that too um, and he said the same thing that all of us say, that Apple's business is to sell devices, and that's their primary device. And if you can make <clears throat> it's the same for ev everything, and I totally agree with Steve, so I'm going to quote him verbatim. Design your game to help them sell more iPads. Support them, and there is a better chance they will support you. Uh, for example, we huh. made Paper Titans to be a visually stunning 3D experience with console quality visuals. This showed off what the iPad was really capable of at a time when most of the competition was 2D. I'm sure that played a part in why the game was Editor's Choice. I've spoken to a lot of developers who've got Editor's Choices on iOS. And they say the same things. Support the things that make the device look good. If you do that, Apple will push you. And if Apple push you, you will make money. You might not make a fortune, but you will make some money. And you might make enough to make your next game. And really, for many independent developers, that is a definition of success. And finally, I have uh, Leanne Bailey. So Leanne um, works with Alex Trowers. And they make up uh, a little outfit called We Heart Dragons. I'm not sure if you've heard of them or not. I've heard of them. Uh, Leanne's well-respected as well. Uh, Leanne says that they started making um, mobile games first because they had Macs, iPhones, and iPads. Um, they liked it because developer accounts on Apple are cheap. Again, 99 bucks with Apple and you're good to go. Uh, Xcode and Unity are free and the route to self-publishing is relatively straightforward and well-documented. Um, second and probably more important for us, the game we prototyped felt better to play on a touch device. 
So we picked mobile as our platform. But again, this is not specifying iPad necessarily, but the point being that you really need to focus on the use case of the device, the input of the device, how the user will use that device. Um, and the other point, of course, was how uh, the platform will sell that device. But business-wise, uh, all of the reasons that we uh, that made making our games easy for mobile make it e make it hard to make money from them. Uh, that absolutely rings true for me. You lower the resistance to the route to market, and suddenly you have a flood. This is a well-documented phenomenon. There's no need for us to cover that again, but obviously that applies to iPad just as, as much as it does to other devices. You could argue, I'm stepping away from her email for a second, you could argue that the iPhone, as a mobile phone, is actually a more essential device and is with you more often, which is why games have tended in the past to do better and why free-to-play games, which are so compulsive in nature, tend to do better on them now. And with the advent of the, the modern consoles, I think that has kind of coincided with the fall in interest in top-tier iPad games. It's interesting, that, isn't it? For me, the, the interest level, Federico was saying, has fallen away in the last few years, just as the interest level in consoles has spiked again. So I wonder if we'll see a turnaround. I don't see um, any problem with Apple initiating it, but I just don't see it as their core business. They're not hiring the best games people, you know? They're not, mm -hmm. you, you don't see the best games people going to Apple. You see the best games people going elsewhere. They go to development studios. They go to, um, very quietly if they can, Valve, or they go to Google, uh, Google Play. Uh, they go to PlayStation. They go to Microsoft. You know, they go to, less so to Nintendo. They're hard to get into. Um, but you don't hear about a lot of top games people going to Apple. I'm not saying there are not top games people there. There are very good people there. I think they have great people there. But the reason for that is simple. It doesn't appear that games is as important to Apple as they are to as games are to other platforms. And for that reason, it's not central. I don't think that's going to change in the near future. I, I wish it could. But can I come back to the positive now? Yeah. So the positive is, as an auxiliary support device to development, I've used my iPad Pro a lot. I've used it for documentation, you know, because I can get it out anywhere. The first device I reach for when I want to get something done is an iPad Pro. Uh, we have our friend Federico to thank for that. Uh, he has made a convert of me. But the other thing about it is it's really good for little... Uh, programming practice tools, things that let you work in multiple languages. So Swift Playgrounds was great for kids, but for grown-ups, there's Code A, there's Pythonista, which, again, um, I might never have discovered had it not been for our friend Federico, and I absolutely adore Python. So to see such a rich and full implementation on a device like an iPad is just a dream. And then you've got other cool stuff like Continuous, which lets you do C Sharp uh, to some degree on the iPad Pro, which is, to me, just seems like magic because I'm used to doing C-sharp and Unity on top-end machines, you know, iMac 27-inch, uh, Alienware, PCs running uh, Unity and C-sharp. Suddenly, I can do it on an iPad Pro. It's wonderful. And then you've got smaller stuff like, for example, Textastic, uh, which is a wonderful little text editor. I've actually used that to edit some of the code for my game, believe it or not. And when I needed to check it back into my uh, GitHub repo, I used Working Copy. And guess who recommended Working Copy? <laughs> I hope you picked up the affiliate tab on that, Federico. <laughs> so uh, there are a lot of amazing support tools um, there's some great music software. Uh, the game that I talked about, Unfinished, for iPad, I actually wrote the music for it on GarageBand on the iPad. And it wasn't half bad. It was all right. I think the general theme that, that we've uncovered from Federico's points to your points to the points that we got from uh, the developers that wrote in is that, you know, and it lines up with some of the stuff you are saying earlier, Shahid, that, like, this is a machine which is built for productivity, which is why it can be such a great device for you to use for an auxiliary device when you're developing, but that also has games on it, right? As opposed to it being a reverse or it being a device that's built for gaming. And then also, in, in an interesting way, that, like, Apple's tools... The tools that they provide, whilst unique and therefore can be a little bit tricky or to, to use, but they are great. 
Right? You have to learn something new, but they're great. The backend tools are great. The developer tools are great. But the problem is, like one of the, the key problems that seems to lie through all of this is you're just building for iOS, though. Like that is the key. iPhone first and then iOS second. And that the iPad just doesn't have a compelling advantage for video games from either a power perspective because you have to go across the whole platform with the iPad, right, which can go quite low power on the low end with the iPad mini. So you don't get to take full advantage of just targeting for the iPad Pro. And you don't really get any additional stuff for going for the iPad. Like there, there isn't a great controller, which is iPad only. You know, it doesn't I say there isn't really anything that makes the iPad on its own a specific platform to target for. So why would you? Because the economy is already so tough on, on iOS, why limit yourself? <laughs> 